Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well today I'm going to be chatting with a fellow adoptive mom and adoptee herself, Jillian Lauren. We have been friends for a really long time. We both adopted both internationally and from foster care. Um, And we're talking not just about adoption, but about what we have learned about love, unconditional love and parenting 
by way of adopting kids with some struggles. We both get a little misty talking about this um, and what we've learned about love and about our, ourselves from the experience. Um, Jillian's also a fantastic author. She wrote a book called Some Girls about her experience being in a harem in her 20s um, and then more recently wrote a memoir about adopting. Um, but before we get to that, I'm here with Rue to do our self-care check-in. Hey, Kristen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. How's your self-care going? Well, I always I always think that I just need to get like a system or a, a routine in place and then I'm good to go. You know, like this is mm-hmm. what I'm going to do Mondays. This is what I'm going to do at yes. 3 p.m. This is what I'm going to do. And then things change and then you have to adjust along with it. So yes. now... Even in these unprecedented times, a phrase that I am so tired of, I just, I'm, I'm ready for things to be precedented again. Um, I am, I am going into an office, so I'm commuting now. And right now I'm trying to balance, okay, so I'm commuting and I'm parenting and working and, you know, homeschooling. And I... I, it generally throws me for a loop, and I really want to hit the ground running with a new schedule and mm-hmm. a new routine. And I think I get disappointed when it doesn't quite shake out that way. So, you know, it's this transition time, and I feel like I, I – not that I don't do well with change. It's that I like to ease into a transition well, and when I don't, I get frustrated. Yes. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. So I am actually – I'm taking the train, which on the one hand is nice because no traffic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm wearing my mask on the train and I'm trying to do small things to make that enjoyable. So I'm also working on this book. So I'll work on that while I'm on the train mm-hmm. or I will, um, you know, make sure to bring a travel mug with coffee, but not too much coffee because you never want to go to the bathroom on a train, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but I'm getting, I'm getting there. I wish I was working out more and I wish I felt more organized and I wish my house was cleaner, but <laughs> those are all the things I wish, but I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Good. Yeah. How about you? Well, we have had a particularly stressful week. I have talked about this before. Um, and it just can, I think that this is going to be a continued struggle until there is a vaccine or, you know, things feel differently. But I'm just continuing to struggle with my teenagers' compliance with COVID safety. Mm. And I know I'm not alone in that, um, you know, but it's just, it just doesn't end. <laughs> You know, and this so this week we are dealing with, you know, two of my kids went to the skate park with strict instructions to leave their mask on because, you know, I really I at this point, I I very much want to minimize our COVID risk. And I feel like, you know, we've gotten so far into this. We're like almost eight months in of isolation. Hopefully a vaccine is coming, you know, in Mm -hmm. the next in the next calendar year. Um and so at this point, I'm like, I feel very strongly, I do not want to catch COVID, right? Like, we've, right. we've come this far. Right. I'm not going to catch it because my teenagers, you know, can't follow rules. And so two of my kids went to the skate park. I rolled up to bring them dinner, trying to be nice. And there they are, face to face with a group of kids huddled, not wearing masks. Um, uh. And so, you know, it's just been this back and forth of like, then 
you know, I kind of make them quarantine in the house because there is an outbreak in my community amongst teenagers um, that has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, um, one of my kids plays on a sports team for the school and the, the practices, thankfully, have been very safe, you know, wearing masks, distance, just no contact yet. Um, but apparently a bunch of the football players had a party and someone there turned out to be positive. So they had to cancel football for two weeks. So, you know, it's just, these are the issues of teens in coat and COVID, you know, they make poor decisions. And there are consequences for those decisions. And there are consequences. And then, you know, we all live in a community. And so some parents aren't doing you know, some of the, I mean, obviously, a lot of these parents didn't care that their kids were at a party, right. you know. Um, I, I know that's true. I mean, there's just, there's varying values. Um, and it's tough because, you know, what I'm told is we'll just stay home. But it's like, I can't keep my teenage children home for a whole year. Right. <laughs> like, that's not really fair because no. I have asthma and autoimmune issues that I have to keep my kids home, it feels like it would maybe make more sense if it was a joint community effort where we're all being careful. But, you know, there's just a lot of teenagers that my kids know that aren't taking any precautions at all. So anyway, we are spending this afternoon getting COVID tests, which I'm frustrated about. Um, And, you know, I hate this. I don't want to be a helicopter parent at this age and stage. I would like to be giving them a lot more freedom And instead, I'm, you know, having to check on them to see if they're wearing masks around their friends. It just, it really sucks. And I feel a little down about that right now. Yeah, there's no way around it. That that super sucks. And it's it's hard, too, because at that age, like, you want, I mean, you certainly want them to hang out with their friends. You want them to have the ability to socialize. And if only, you know, everyone... If only those parents also said, hey, this is a joint effort. We need to keep our community safe. Make sure you wear a mask. Right. You know, if all – it's that thing where, well, all the other kids get to, you know, X, Y, Z. And, yeah, that does make it hard. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. You know, and I know it's like, you know, when everyone – it's not everyone else, but for them it feels like everyone else. I mean, what's hard is – They're going to a skate park, which I know a lot of parents wouldn't even allow, right? Mm -hmm. And so what they're not seeing is all the kids that are actually at home that aren't even allowed out, right? Right. So they're not seeing that. And then the kids that are out are not wearing masks. And they're making fun of them for wearing them. So that's fun, too. Uh. (laughs) You know, which is just another one of those, like, where you just lose faith in humanity, like, why are these kids making – like, what's happening in their homes where they think it's okay to make fun of people well, for wearing I a mean, mask in a pandemic? Well, when the president makes fun of a reporter for wearing a mask, saying that he's just being politically yep, correct. I know. You know, it's just this trickle-down effect of just being completely abhorrent. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So anyway, that's just – that's where I'm at. I'm feeling frustrated and I'm frustrated with the whole situation and I'm frustrated with my teens, but I also have empathy for them. Yeah. Um, but I'm also still really mad. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did. I will it's, tell it's, you. My new thing though is I'm like, when you guys add to my stress, you're going to serve me and take away some of mine. And so the night that, that – you know, I discovered them at the skate park, not wearing masks, huddled in a group. We came home and I 
not in an angry way. This isn't like a wire hanger situation, but just very calmly, I was like, we're emptying every single drawer in your room that doesn't look neat and you'll refold everything. <laughs> like there. That's my new kind of punishment. Like you're going to do something that like lowers the stress for the whole house when you raise I- it. So I will say this, and my I realize that my kids are younger, and I can't tell if I'm confessing this to you because, you know, <laughs> because I need a, a therapist's opinion, but I was getting tired of telling my girls to do the same thing over and mm-hmm. over and over and over again until finally, like, I raised my voice, and then I hate it because I had to raise my voice, but they're not listening to me unless I raise my voice. So I... I don't think this was passive aggressive. I think this was teaching them a lesson. And it was that, okay, it is it is stressful for me to raise my voice. I don't want to be that kind of mom. But you guys aren't listening to me. So what's going to happen is I want the three of you to go sit on the couch. And you're going to watch me as I do your chores for you. And they sat on the couch. And I did their chores. And the shame that they felt watching their mom <laughs> do all of the things that they were supposed to be doing. They're like, no, mom, please, I'll do it. I'm like, no, no, you guys argue. I get upset. You don't listen. I yell. I don't want to be a yelling mom. This is the solution. I will just take care of these things for you. Oh, you left your shirt on the floor. Let me pick it up for you. I'll go hang it in your closet for you. And so I am picking up every little thing. I did this for about a half hour and sobbing. Just, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. That's amazing. And they... I just don't want to be a yelling mom. Yeah. And so if you're not going to listen to me, and the only way that I can remove that stress from my life is by doing it for you, you are going to feel like, you know, and they felt awful. They felt yeah. awful because they know that mom works hard and, you know, they know that they're supposed to pitch in and watching your mother pick mm-hmm. your socks up off the floor for you. I mean, maybe it wouldn't work with some kids, but they felt awful they felt awful and i have never received more sincere apologies and you know it's that's it's, pretty good but was it passive aggressive no i mean i just i don't know i feel like sometimes uh you know they really need to feel the impact of their behavior i mean to that point the night that i found my boys at the skate park i had i had brought them chipotle to the skate park so that they could keep skating. And I made them come home and I made them eat it in the backyard and I wouldn't allow them to talk to each other or have their phones. And I said, I want you to sit in silence and this whole meal as you're eating it, I want you to think about what it felt like for me to get you food and surprise you and show up and find out that you're not wearing masks after all we've been through with this. Yeah. Every bite of this. I want you to think about what that felt like for me to pull up. Yeah, I mean, I want to cry thinking about it. Like, I, I, I feel ashamed. Like, I, I feel. So, I want to go clean out my drawer. Think right about now. what you've done. I know. <laughs> but that's that's where we are, right? Like, this is hard, and we all have to pitch in. And I told her, like, I don't ever, I never want to be the mom that nags and yells. So yeah. if I say empty the dishwasher if it's on the chart on the wall just empty the damn dishwasher totally. you don't even have to talk about it i know <laughs> why why do we have to remind uh, 
<laughs> anyway, what are your two thumbs up for the week? Yeah. Okay. One of mine is um, so I've been doing keto um, mm. for about two weeks. Um, I, you know, I just seriously gained the quarantine 20. Right. Which I was already, I mean, my weight was already up, like divorce weight, you know, I had, my weight had gone up. And then with quarantine, I just, I have not, it's not been good. And book writing, you know, a lot of sedentary, a lot of stress. And then you had that procedure too. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. So doing keto and finding that I'm having like major headaches if I'm not super careful, so then I Googled, like, what do you do for keto headaches? And everyone says electrolytes, electrolytes. So right. I found two products that I really like that help with the electrolytes and do seem to help with the headaches of keto. Um, one is from a company called Keto Beam, and their whole deal is making products to help with keto. And so they have this electrolyze, electrolyte supplement that you just pour a capful into your cup of water. It's tasteless. Um, it just immediately, you know, like ups your electrolytes. So that one really helps. And then there's another one called Hydrolyte um, that I also really like. That is just, again, a quick keto, not keto, but it, you know, it helps with keto to like immediately bring your um, electrolytes up. And this one is, it's sugar-free. It has magnesium, potassium, sodium, all that good stuff. So well, it's I interesting am, because because usually you get like you can get flu like symptoms as your body adjusts yes. to it, right? Yes, they say that. Yeah, and I wasn't feeling the aches and pains, but just definitely the the headaches. How about your tongue? How does your tongue feel? Is it furry at all? <laughs> it it's an unpleasant taste. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's not super pleasant. I don't love doing keto, but I am you know at that point where I'm like I just really want to kickstart this. Yeah. Um, and I have. Decided I'm going to do it until Thanksgiving. And then on Thanksgiving, I'm going to let myself go hog wild. And then I think I'll just shift to trying to, you know, be more plant-based kind of thing. That's smart. Yeah. But I do feel like keto does a nice reset for me where um, I crave sugar a lot less when I do it. Well, that's it for me too. Right? So I have not been uh, – I have not been eating dessert. Uh-huh. Which is a big deal for me, but I notice when I do eat dessert, I want it all the time. I want That's it after breakfast. No, I want absolutely. I want a cookie after breakfast. Yeah. That's a problem. So doing something like that. So I haven't had it in a while. And then I was with a friend and we split a tres leches, and it was delicious. But uh-huh. I immediately felt like, Bleh. yeah, you know. So that is one thing that I think is really good about any. I mean, some of the some of these diets feel really extreme, but for people who struggle with you know carbs or sugar which that's just totally me is i i can once i stop once i start i can't stop you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i think that's great if it's you know you if you can use it in order to kind of reset those cravings those yeah cravings. you know you know things are bad when like the natural sweetness of fruit doesn't really do it for you <laughs> you know what i'm saying and You know, I just – I do feel like every time I do a reset like this or I don't eat sugar for a while, it's like an apple is like amazing, you know, which is how it should be. Yes. You know, that is that is what we should be deriving pleasure from is apples and oranges and fruits and berries. And, you know, when it – I feel like it's almost like we are super saturated with flavor 
And so the natural stuff just doesn't do much anymore. It's funny, when I was growing up, my mom used to dump sugar on sliced strawberries. Yep, mine and that's too. All, that's, that's, okay, that's how I ate strawberries. And now strawberries are very sweet and, and so delicious, and they don't need sugar on them. But um, yeah, it's kind of weird how certain things that you grow up with, too, maybe affect your tastes. I don't know. Well, I mean, I grew up drinking sweet tea with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Ooh, which had yeah. so much sugar in it. I mean, just basically drinking sugar water. Right. And then do you remember, I mean, I don't know if you did this as a kid, but we would put sugar on cereal that already had <gasps> sugar in it. Yes. Like, yes. What? We would put sugar on cereal. And I, like cereal's already pretty bad for you. Really? <laughs> it has a lot of sugar in it already. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, we would do that. It would be, we would dump a, like a spoonful of sugar on top of cereal. Yep. And. And, you know, I had a soda anytime I, you know, was at a birthday party or went out or, you know, I, it was like soda was fun. Orange soda. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Spray. So Great. Funny. Yeah. Um, and then my other two thumbs up is so, you know, my kids are spending so much time online mm-hmm. and at their computers. And I have been really concerned about just what is this doing for their eyes? So we have the blue light glasses, obviously. But I just started giving them these gummies that are light defender gummies. Um, what? Yeah, it's from a company called Vite Eyes, like vitamin eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is supposed to just help with blue light protection um, when you're, you know, staring at a screen all day. You know, this is how I feel about vitamins. Even if they don't help, they can't hurt. Yeah. So... No. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like the ingredients, it's like lutein and bilberry. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's good stuff. Um, I don't know. But especially the lutein. I mean, that's supposed to really help with vision support. And it, you know, it does concern me that they're spending so much time staring at a screen. Yes. And I, 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 I feel that way about myself, too. It's like, I do oh, too. man. Yes. It, you get to the point in your day where your eyes, you're just like, I can't even look at anything bright oh, right know. now. It just feels awful. I know. How about you? Oh, I am so ashamed about... Uh, about um, I am ashamed of what I'm about to share. <laughs> I have been on a very fancy body wash kick. Ooh. And I don't... Here's the thing. I always feel absurd spending money like spending excess money on things that you don't you don't need to spend extra money on. I don't buy fancy toothpaste because Crest is fine for me. And it's the yeah. same, you know. Um, and so there are certain things that I will absolutely go cheapest option. Uh, I think the Costco seltzer tastes fine, just like the LaCroix seltzer. Uh-huh. No. But there is something about, you know, I bought one and then that was it. Like, my showers feel so luxurious and indulgent because I am using very expensive body wash. <laughs> so I have I have three to share, depending okay. on what you like. And they're all great. I attribute part of this to if I end up in a fancy hotel and they give you samples, you know, oh, in the shower. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait, I love this. Yeah, why so, don't I have uh, this every day? Yeah, at home. So when you can... <laughs> oh, my word. You can buy a bar of soap for a dollar and change or, you know, any other body wash. And then there's Molten Brown London. Uh, They do an orange and bergamot one. I feel like Molten Brown is a hotel one. Like, that's one that I definitely tried in hotels. Yes. 
And it's the third is that, and I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, Malin and Goats. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. They have that one at the Ace Hotel. Yes. So it's, I do think so. <laughs> However, you know, do you remember that thing on Twitter when people were announcing that they don't wash their legs? Yes. First of all, I rebuke that in the name of all things holy. Yes. And so if you put like a little bit of body wash on a washcloth and scrub, 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 it just smells so good. And my showers all of a sudden feel like these beautiful grounding moments to start oh, yeah. my day off. And it feels so good and so nice that I like I wake up and <laughs> there's part of me that goes, oh, I get to shower and smell the good things in my shower. And I'm oh my gosh, so excited about so it. so funny. But and yet I am very ashamed. Like I feel lots of shame telling you that I bought $25 body wash. Well, I will tell you, I do have a body wash that I love that is very cheap. Um, and it smells really good. And it is the Dr. Bronner's eucalyptus. Have you tried mm. that one? Well, I have not. But I do use I've done the Dr. Bronner's eucalyptus, um, like bath salts, the Optim- Epsom salts. Yes. And I do like that a lot. Yes. Um, and it's not, I mean, it's not cheap, but it goes a long way. Like yeah, it lasts It's not $25 forever. a bottle is what you're it saying. It is $18 a bottle and it's 32 fluid ounces. So it's, oh. so compared to yours, it's 50 cents a fluid ounce and yours I'm, are closer to $3. <laughs> I really appreciate you doing the math on this. And then I'm wondering, like, how much do you use per shower? Is it half an ounce? Well, so, the, I, I, the Dr. Bronner's, it's like, you know, it goes... A really long way. Like yeah. you can use like a quarter size for your whole body. Right. That's how I feel about these. But now I'm thinking, am I like the next time I take a shower, am I going to go in the shower and just start like, you know, you start scrubbing your left arm and you start thinking, you know, mm-hmm. and then am I going to say, wow, this shower is costing me a dollar and 50 cents. No, you just have to decide like this is, you know, if you can afford it that this is a way that you're going to splurge, you know? That said, I buy, like, cheap-ass shampoo and conditioner. See, I will always splurge on shampoo and conditioner, and then I buy crappy body wash. No, it's 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 uh, crappy shampoo and conditioner, obviously nice body wash, but then my styling, my hairstyling products are a little bit pricier because I find that shampoo and conditioner doesn't really affect my hair. It's what I put in afterwards. I don't That's know. Maybe so it's, interesting. Maybe it's a bad theory. So yeah, there are certainly things, other areas that I am cheap about, but I, right now I'm just really into overpriced body wash. So we should definitely do an episode where we just talk about where we splurge and where we spend. Yes. Like a cheap thrills versus yes. something else. Yeah, for sure. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones, and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. 
dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing, I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. Today's episode of SELFIE is sponsored by Himalaya Botanique Toothpaste. I like using natural toothpaste, but sometimes it can feel like a trade-off. It's great to ditch the SLS and artificial flavors, but sometimes brushing with a natural toothpaste can feel flat and bland and leave your mouth not feeling super clean. I've tried a lot of natural toothpaste that either taste like baking soda or don't feel like they really work. 
Himalaya Botanique, our sponsor for today, is a toothpaste that's free from fluoride, SLS, and artificial colors and flavors. But unlike a lot of similar toothpastes, they don't compromise on flavor or performance. Himalaya toothpaste has a great taste and a foamy mouthfeel to get your teeth clean. If you're interested in trying it for yourself, you can use the code 20selfcare at Amazon to get 20% off. Again, that's the code 20selfcare at Amazon for 20% off. Check out the show notes for more details on this episode's sponsorship with Himalaya Botany. Voters turned out in record for the 2020 election, but there are still those in power trying to erect barriers to hold on to that power and prevent African Americans, Latino Americans, Native Americans, Asian Americans, young people, and even people with disabilities from exercising their right to share their vision for America. Whether it's making it harder to register and stay on the rolls, or closing polling places, or rejecting lawful ballots, opponents of our democracy continue to deploy a host of tactics that are threatening fair representation. While more than 160 million projected voters cast their ballots this year, shattering records, we want to know what motivated you to participate in an election that will help us deliver a democracy where we can all thrive. We've heard from first-time voters, those who stood in line for hours, and those who were moved to tears knowing how important their vote was. If you or someone you know had trouble voting, or if there's any experience you'd like to share, let your story be heard. Visit andstillivote.org your story matters to join the fight for voting rights today. Paid for by the Leadership Conference Education Fund. Hey, Jillian. It's been a while. It's been way too long. And I'm very, I'm sorry for my voice. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not just from the yelling <laughs> I've been doing. <laughs> I think every mother who is now in school and have children is just yelling a lot now. So much yelling. It's so much yelling. (laughs) As we get to try to work from home with our children around us. I make these vows like I'm not going to yell today. And then it becomes this huge passive aggressive. like I know. Martyrdom experience that people like even less (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness they're like will you just please yell and stop like walking around like this (laughs) (laughs) totally we'd rather you yell than whatever this is and whatever (laughs) yeah i'm trying to think like we've just met like on the internet yeah, I think I we mean, met in like mom blog land. Yes. Yeah. You were blogging about I, adoption. Well, no, and, you know what happened? I can I can actually tell you. Okay, tell me. Um, because you went first. I found you. Okay. Um, I was it was when we were adopting tea. Yeah. And um I was so of course, like in that really distraught. Yeah. And um I don't, it feels like we're talking about another world right now, right? I know, but, right? Um, 
we'd been waiting. We tried so hard. We had done mm-hmm. all those fertility treatments. We were waiting for so long. Yeah. And then we were in the adoption process. Yeah. And I started to seek out the blogs. Yeah. I mean, I think we all, you did. know, yeah. because I was like the immediate community around me. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. all like, here's my doula. Yeah. And you know, it, it really helps if your husband massages your feet. Yeah. And I was just like, first of all, <laughs> yeah, I can't pay my husband enough to touch my feet. <laughs> and second of all, I can't go to your yoga class. I just can't. <laughs> I, it's, it was such a unique, like being in the thick of it as an adoptive parent was such a unique experience when you were kind of going through it. But then I don't know if this is true for you, but it was like, so we all kind of huddled adoptive parents. We found each other and we huddled and we related, but then it's almost like as our, as our kids grow, the adoption issues are not as forefront. And so now it's just like, we're back in the gen pop of parents who don't know what the hell they're doing. (laughs) And I want to try, I mean, it's like when I was blogging more regularly about, the adoption yeah um about both my adoptions uh I really wanted to have that connection mm-hmm. and you're right now it feels it's not like I I think about adoption all day long right but I really want to still remain present yes for the people you know because like you were you're a couple of steps ahead of me yeah even though you're a couple of years younger than me because you were smarter. Um, <laughs> Am I? I feel like we're the same age. <laughs> Thank you. I think you are. I'm 45. A couple years younger. I'm 45. My, I thought we were, right, we're close. Yeah. You're younger. Okay. But we're close. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, I needed the people who walked yes, that road totally. before me. Yeah. And even though it's not really... Like, I mean, it's present for the kids now. It's present for us. Yeah. It's just not as yeah much at the forefront. You right. know, like I talked to T a little bit, even this morning about his birth mother mm-hmm. and made sure that he understood, particularly in this time that we're all struggling yeah. with the virus, that um, I had a way to get in touch with her. Good. But I knew she was okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Jovi is younger and isn't thinking about it as much yet. Yeah. Um, like we talked about it and it mm-hmm. was, yeah, it was, uh, it didn't feel particularly fraught yeah. or laden. Like we've been talking about it the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. It's just so, a fluid kind of part of. It's there yeah. every day, and then it's not there every day. It's right. It's there every day. It's a layer. It's, it's like it's it's like race. It's like yeah, you know, it's there much. every day. It's not there yeah. every day. Like yeah. every day, I wake up in the morning. Do I think like how am I going to talk to my black adopted children? Right. No, I'm just yeah. like pull your shoes on. Exactly. Get in the shower. Yeah. You know, but then. Yeah, but then there are moments when it comes up. Well, and you and we have to say like this is what's happening in this country right now. Yeah, this you know, um, and I feel like we're so fortunate in a way that my kids don't they don't really live in a world where 
they live in a very diverse world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they have friends from like all different backgrounds. Yeah. That really helps. And, um, you know, part of that is that they're in the public school system. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it is that we live in a major urban center. Yeah. And then all of those same things are also causing us to, you know, be largely at risk right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so I mean, true. not the diversity part. That doesn't yes. make us at risk. The, no. the large urban center yeah. makes us at risk. Yeah. 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 You're in so, a hot spot. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a real hot spot here. So, yeah. um, you know, it's like very important to address. I think that I um, was much more engaged with it when they were little. Yeah. Um, and now I'm more engaged with like, you don't get to play Fortnite. (laughs) Totally. Well, and teenagers, you have have such a unique perspective because you were adopted as well. So you're an adoptee and I'm sure that that helps you understand where, you know, how this can ebb and flow and, you know, how these issues can, can be at the forefront and then kind of maybe go, you know, go to the back for a while. And yeah, no, that's totally true. And I also, you know, I think it's just really different for every kid. I completely agree. I completely agree. And also like, I'm a, I'm a girl. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. And, you know, I was always somebody who was like, you know, pensive and thoughtful, (laughs) much to the chagrin (laughs) Yeah. Of everyone around me still. And even watching my two, they have very different personalities, you know, and one is much more of a thinker, um, you know, overthinks a lot. And then one is just really happy-go-lucky, like not a care in the world kind of kid. And both my... the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And both my kids don't have living birth parents. Um, And, you know, one kid has a lot of feelings about that. And then one kid's just kind of like... Okay, moving on. Like, yeah. their experiences are so unique to who they are as people, you know, and how they approach right. the whole world. Well, okay, I want to get to you reading a little yeah. section of your book. So you wrote in the thick of this, especially, um, you know, and wanting to look for other narratives around adopting. Um, Jillian wrote a beautiful book um, about her experience of adopting Teraku. So why don't you read us a little section of that? And, and, you know, I do want to say that I don't know what it's like for people right now. Yeah. We're in this process. Yeah. And I am, you know, for me, it felt practically insurmountable at the beginning. Um, And I just want to really, there are still so many kids without homes. Yes. Especially in the foster care system. And it is still, especially in the foster care system. Yep. And it is still happening and it's still possible. Yes, thank you for saying that. um, uh, Like, don't give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an option. Uh, Teraku is 18 months old. When he goes immediately from crawling to sprinting, I get stir-crazy enough to forget the yoga debacle and try Jimboree, music together, and mommy and me swimming. I have no idea whether T is ready, so T was... Uh, 18 months old at this time and quite delayed. Right. Um, 
maybe he's challenging because he needs more interesting activities than reading Mr. Brown Can Moo and pouring sippy cups full of milk into the Blu-ray player. On the other hand, maybe he's still transitioning and should stay in the house for another three months until he feels safe. But how am I supposed to know if either of these is true? I am so restless myself that I decide to go with the former. I stride into the classes as if I know what I'm doing. It's a strange thing to have a one and a half year old and have only six months of mothering under my belt. Most of the women walking around with kids this size have a crucial year on me. I am always self-consciously scrambling to catch up. In each class, when I begin to notice that T is markedly different from the other kids his age, I wonder if it's just the result of my lack of experience. At first, he is just the loudest and most active kid, and I take it as a point of secret pride, wondering why all those other kids are such duds. <laughs> After about a month, he goes from being the kid who inspires laughter and then turns a bit nervous. To the kid, the other parents actually scramble to avoid sitting next to because he has no personal space. I stop bothering to smile at the other parents because they avoid on eye contact. He knocks kids down in a way that lands somewhere between accidental and intentional. Every room, every room, every Zoom, <laughs> every room we're in, whether in the coffee shop or the indoor playground, he turns on a dime and makes a daring escape attempt, hurtling towards the door. I have to drop everything where I stand and dash out after him. He makes a break for it again. And again, undeterred by how many times I bring him back, squirming like a grease pig and usually hollering to boot. At first, I'm painfully embarrassed, but eventually my embarrassment dissolves and is replaced by foreboding. What does this behavior mean? Will it just take a little time for him to feel safe, for his neurons to start firing correctly? Or are we looking at a lifetime of struggle? And what the hell is going on with my kid? Um, and that was not like the super positive passage I wanted to reach you. <laughs> well, but, but it's I, a real passage. But may I, mean, I offer? Yes. That I actually have the answer now. And he's a wonderful kid. Yeah, he is. It was just a time. Yeah. I mean, and does he still struggle? And is he an asshole? Can I curse on your oh, yeah. podcast? You can okay. call your children assholes here. Yeah, he's here. an asshole. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, for sure, he's 12. Yeah. Um, but he he's remarkable. Yeah. He is so engaged and artistic and yeah. thoughtful and bright. And, um, and you know what? He doesn't have to be any of those things. Yeah. Yes. Right? Like, I, that's not the argument. No, it's it, not the argument. He has to be awesome. Totally. Now. And that's... But I will say that it changes. Yes, it does. 
And I think, you know, that's one of the things that I appreciated so much about your book is I feel like a lot of us in the blogosphere, it's like we all talked about the process of adoption. And then we kind of got up to the, you know, the coming home moment and those cute pictures. And then for so many of us, there was like this, oh, gosh, like, the struggles emerged, the, the really difficult struggles. And, and it's hard to write about those on a blog, for one, because you're wanting to protect your kid's privacy, you know. Right. And two, to because, and two, because you want to support the process. Yes. And you want to encourage other people. Right. You don't want to. Because like, children need homes. Yes. And you don't want to make um, it seem like it's, you know, you don't want to be bad press for right. prospective adoptive yeah. parents. We some I may have a good breath and it might be at the very very end. <laughs> I should have prepared this better. I'm sorry, except I was homeschooling. <laughs> My excuse is math. My excuse for everything is fifth grade math, which I can't even I can't, do. I can't subtract. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I can't do any of it. I can't subtract. Yeah. No. I can't divide. Mm fractions I don't know that trigonometry I don't even know what that word means algorithm define Stop algorithm using me I hate them I hate I hate them uh, so much okay here hopefully this is the right path <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> I once screamed Fuck you, God, to an unfilling sky or an unfilling pile of laundry, as the case may be. And now I find myself driving around spontaneously thanking God for our challenges, for the way I've grown, for the way I've grown to know the fierce and brave heart of my son, for the fact that I have come to value more fully the strength of my marriage. Oh, yeah. And sorry about that. Fuck you thing, God, <laughs> through the trials of the past years, I have come to understand myself to be selfish, vain, petulant, and unequal to the task of mothering, to be sure, but also resilient and determined and resourceful. Who knew? And possessed of a rock solid belief in my family. I love that. I love that. Okay, the section I'm going to read is so similar to yours. <laughs> it's funny because I, I love your book so much. Oh, thank you. I was. I writing. can't wait until it actually shows up in hardcover. I know. I just got mine like two days ago. I got my hardcover finally. I um, ordered mine. Pre-order. Yes, pre-order. Everyone, pre-order. But I was, um, I was writing about the similar thing of just that time after you know, after they come home and the honeymoon kind of wears off. And then, you know, we had, um, we had attachment stuff to work through. And if people are watching and they're not adoptive parents, I mean, what that looks like is, you know, many of our kids spent time in an institution or um, had traumatic loss of, I mean, you know, adoption is a loss. Um, And for some of our kids that manifested in, you know, difficult behaviors and, well, and um, also it, testing, and right? So much testing. Like testing is a big so much key. testing. It's like, yeah, it's like if it's like I've been hurt so badly, yeah. Like, how badly can I hurt you? Totally, yeah. And, and to make what, you leave. what can I do to make you not love me? Yeah, right. 
Like, will you leave? And so here's what I wrote about that, because this is where I really struggled. To someone who doesn't understand attachment injury, it might look like manipulation. If you're a tired mom who is not able to always be mindful, it feels like manipulation. I, I really, side note, I just, I really struggled with feeling like my kid was manipulating me. Like I had some evil child who was like conspiring against me. Yeah, I had to still act. Do. Yeah, go ahead. I know. Still, <laughs> yes, not past tense. I had to have to actively work to remind myself he was four years old. He was not a mastermind bent on gaslighting me and making me crazy, but in fact, a young and hurting child who needed love, but who was also testing the limits of love out of fear. And so again, I found myself at times asking myself, what would a loving mother do right now? What would a mother do if she was to love unconditionally, regardless of outcomes or reciprocation? What does love look like if I simply give it and don't expect anything in return? What does love look like? Am I not wearing my glasses? <laughs> what does love look like if it is completely independent of the way I feel I'm being treated? This is a lesson that all parents have to learn at some point. Sometimes our kids do not demonstrate the love back to us that we may have expected when we set out on this parenting journey. I really had to come to terms with some of my own subconscious selfishness in learning to love Kembe the way he deserved to be loved. Of course, I would never have directly thought I need my child to make me feel loved and give me emotional hits in order to love them back. But I was surprised at what a challenge it was to freely give love when I felt like it was being withheld from me. So I loved as if I went through the motions until the feelings followed. I pushed in, I cuddled, I pursued, I resisted my urge to get riled up, and I reminded myself constantly that this was a former orphan who had lost everything. And this was an expression of his grief. If I could stay in that mindset and not make it about myself or take it personally, I could maintain the empathy that he deserved. I loved Kembe relentlessly and eventually we bonded. His attachment injury began to heal. We began to experience the ease of a safe relationship. Many years later, I remember sitting by the sidelines of a soccer game when he made an impressive goal. He did a little dance, and then in the middle of the game, he beelined over to me for a hug. And as I watched him run back to the field while still smiling at me, I was welled up with the pride a parent feels for a child's success, and I remember thinking how far we'd come. The stories of the preschool pickups and the myriad of other behaviors that I will leave in the recesses of my memory are so different from the warm and loving kid that Kembe is today. But even if the healing looked different... And even if those hard behaviors remained, loving unconditionally would have been the right thing to do. And I feel like that is something that adoptive parents, all parents learn it, but adoptive parents is a little baptism by fire that, you know, we don't adopt our kids so that they will come home and be perfect children, you know? Yeah, I think that there's this other piece of it too, though, that we're like seeking an adoptive community is really important yeah because like i don't know how to put this in a way that it's it's different it's different and you know i think in certain communities and certainly in ours you know like we're we live in a very privileged Mm -hmm. situation 
Um, and I recognize that and I'm grateful for it. And many of the families around us look at their children's accomplishments yes. and, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're like, oh, here's my child playing Mozart. Yeah. And he's six days old, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, look at it as a reflection on them. Yes. yes. Right? Like they're little, mm-hmm. they little did extensions something of themselves. Right. Yeah. Right. They did something right. Mm-hmm. That's why they're good right. playing Mozart, you know. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and also just it's yeah little reflections of themselves Mm -hmm. and I think as adoptive parents um that it's certainly like a process of reflection Mm -hmm. that I say like my child is not a tiny me yeah my my child is on loan from God Mm. and and that's tr- really true for everyone. It's absolutely it's just true about for every child. Yeah. Right? Although, except yeah, my little one, every once in a while, I'm like, why this kind of a little me? We are very similar. You are. <laughs> and big one, Scots, 100%. <laughs> But I do think, you know, uh, you know, that, that my child's alone from God and he's a gift and, and, and he's mine to take care of and unconditional love is a great idea. It's a super concept. I don't feel like it's one that our generation was raised with Mm. at all. Yeah. So we're creating a new model. Yeah. And it's not easy and it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. A lot of the time. Good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was raised with conditional love. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, for sure. You be, you perform. Yes. Very in much. order to get. Yeah. Yeah. Accolades in order to get love. Like, yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that they get a full pass <laughs> no no to be dicks or anything no. but it means that I really have to examine that and what yeah. that means mm-hmm. and I, I also have to kind of dig a little bit deep and see where it's not true for me mm-hmm. like you're exactly like the passage you read mm-hmm. like unconditional love is a great idea before I was a parent yeah yeah but it, it, it's very hard. Yeah. It's very hard. It is. Um, and on the other hand, like, it's it's not a decision you make. And then you're like, okay, now it worked. Fantastic. Yeah. Now yeah. I love unconditionally. Yeah. Awesome. You know, it's a struggle. Yeah, I mean, and I, I talked about this in a different chapter of the book, just this idea of, like, do we love our adopted kids the same you know, and it's like, that's such a weird question, because it's sort of this, what are we measuring love by, right? Like, are we measuring love in like, the warm, fuzzy feelings that our kids give back to us? 
or how we feel when we're around them, you know, or how easy they are to bond with. And it's like, I think that is how we kind of measure love. And I think what adoption has taught me is that love is really about like what we do for the other person, despite how selfish we feel. You know, for me, love, love did look like pushing in um, when sometimes I just wanted to back away. And love looked like loving Jafta for three years like he was my own kid when I didn't know if he was, you know. And so I think it's just taught me this new concept of love that is not just about how we feel. It's about right. how we yeah. act oh, and love. what we do. Yeah. And not to be, you know, not to be trite with love is a verb, but, you know, it kind of is. Like, I think the way that we measure our love for our kids is how much do we roll up our sleeves and get in there with them? And then also how much do we unconditionally, like, without needing a performance back from them or reflection back from them, how much do we just accept them as the unique and flawed people that they came into the world to be, you know? Right. And, like, maybe look take a take that camera and put it on selfie well that's too you that's know too and look at ourselves and the no, that's uncomfortable people we are <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know I mean I was like thinking the other day I'm, I'm trying I'm sorry I'm being I'm just trying to figure out the right way to put this like um I was just like, I, I struggle with so much self-hatred, you know, and I, I wanted my kids to fix that Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Cause I was going to be the greatest, funnest, most craftiest seasonal Seasonal decorating, yes, baking, domestic mom making mom in the world, and everyone was going to be like, "You're so amazing!" Yeah. Oh my gosh, you are lovable. Yes, after all, mm-hmm. um, and I, I can't. They can't give me that. No, they can't. They won't. No. No kid can. No kid can. No so kid that's can. An inside job. Too much. To yeah. Ask. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. You know, and and I think that unconditional love is a process. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> but I'm so like I'm I'm taking like time for myself. Yeah. I'm trying to create space. Yeah. That's when so I, smart. when there actually isn't any. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I'm trying to listen to what what other people want and what other people need. Yeah. Um, and and also, like you were saying, exactly, not expect them to give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Man, when we can yeah. lay down our expectations, it really does wonders for, for us, doesn't it? So those those were things, and also writing. Yeah. Well, you, know, you are I'm working. Pour it into the writing. Talk- I am. I'm working on a book. <laughs> we're really gonna diverge <laughs> well you're working yeah, on a true crime book you're working on a serial, serial killer book <clears throat> which is a departure for you but um yes so I have been working on a book about a serial killer um 
I started it a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. And I, I did it as a departure. It was, yeah, that was the point. Yeah. Um, but, but what I started it as was a, uh, a thriller, like novel. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, in the course of researching it, met this detective who told me a story that was so exciting and crazy about how she caught a serial killer and, and she was a very compelling character. Her name is Mitzi Roberts, Detective Mitzi Roberts. She told me about this serial killer and I thought, um, and she said that he had, she was certain killed many more people. Um, that had been ignored for many years due to the fact that they were marginalized, largely women of color, mm-hmm. largely prostitutes, mm-hmm. drug addicts. Mm-hmm. Um, for 30 years, people who um, were often referred to as uh, in certain, by certain people, as, as the less dead Mm. or um, uh, no humans involved. Mm. There were crimes that were reported as no humans involved. Mm. Um, If it was a dead prostitute in a dumpster, right? right? So I thought that I could go, I was like, okay, if I can do anything, I can get some asshole talking. Totally. So yes. I'm going to go. I'm going to again start talking. Oh my gosh, Jillian. <laughs> so when does this come out? I'm dying. I'm dying to read I this. Had. So anyway, I did. Yeah. Is it thing? And he's confessed. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't just me. It was the law enforcement community yeah. and uh, and it was the Texas Rangers. Yeah. As well. Um, and the Los Angeles Police Department and the Sheriff's Department. Yeah. Um, but I also, at the same time, did get him to confess. So. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, incredible. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't take credit for it. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't, I just. But you were involved. I was involved. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm curious. Yeah. And I'm. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, I'll do anything. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you're the, yeah, like you're the that. perfect person for this, you know, and you, your yeah. unique life experiences and. Right. Yeah. And I felt like, I felt like if I can get this guy talking, mm-hmm. not that like I can solve these crimes, but yeah. I can. You could facilitate get, the conversation. Well, but I can maybe get some law enforcement yeah. officials and interested yeah if I can bring some attention to it yes that was a point that was when it started so Um, amazing and it comes out in the fall it's not done can't wait to read it I know so you're not done it's not done you know why because you're quarantining with your children because algorithms yes I feel triggered every time you say that word (laughs) right (laughs) this book will be done anyway I feel really strongly about it. I'm yeah. Um, I'm very passionate. I've yeah. Um, you, you know, there there are living victims. Yeah. 
uh, of this man who I'm I'm close with, and mm. um, also victims' family members, yeah. and um, and I did actually solve a couple murders. Jillian, <laughs> so fucking. It the goal. But so it I love it. I and love it. Um, so, uh, I, you know, and and I mean not like solve, but, you know, I just turned up a couple of weird little details. Listen, you're that being helped. self-effacing. You fully helped solve some helped. massive crimes. And a it's couple. a big deal. So, anyway. And I'm proud of um, you. Yeah. And I have to I have to talk to the fucker every day, but wow. pretty much. I know. Um, That's it's wild. tough. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's also really fascinating. Yeah. It's not like I... No one... I feel like... Like no one put a gun to my head is the wrong metaphor. Well, but you're um, you are. You've always been curious no about people. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. curious about people. I'm, I'm curious about aberrant behavior. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious about criminal behavior. Totally. Um, you know, I yeah. I stole a bottle of nail polish from <laughs> the Aid at the Livingston Mall in New Jersey. When I was 13 and was dragged out of the mall in handcuffs. Yeah. So I, it's expunged. It's juvenile <laughs> crime. <laughs> I also have a shoplifting charge that do was expunged. You? Yes, what I did. What did you shoplift? Um, what did I shoplift? I think it was a dress. I think it was a dress from a department store. I know. Bigger. Uh, it is. It was big. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little older than 13. It was not a good season for me. <laughs> You're like, let me show it to you. Uh, yeah, it's in my closet. I- I'm going to-, to court for it tomorrow. It's no big deal. <laughs> I mean, I, I, wanna, I, I really want to be clear that while I, while I appear to be glib and I do make jokes about these things, um, that's a very common strategy. It's the same, like, it's the same thing about parenting. Yeah. I mean, not to equate parenting to murder, but... <laughs> yet! <laughs> but um, it's humor's a strategy. Mm-hmm. For dealing with things yeah. that are otherwise very difficult oh, yeah. to face. Yeah. So so I do make jokes and yeah. I do laugh. And also um, I do talk to a man who yeah. killed roughly 100 women. Um, and that has had a profound effect on my life. Oh, I bet. And... and um, and it's hard, and yeah. I, uh, and I really hope to do it justice in this yeah. book. Um, and it's I called like Be- it's called Behold the Monster. That's such a good. And title. it's coming out from Dutton in the fall. I love it. There's I my plug. It. Do it. Okay, as we end, where can people find you online? I'm sure they're going to want to follow more, and you know. What what's your handle on Instagram and Twitter and all the things? <laughs> I'm sure they're gonna want a character assassinate me. <laughs> no more. Gonna, no. Um, no. Uh, okay, I'm at Jilly Lauren on Twitter. 
Um, I'm at Jillian Lauren on Instagram. I'm you're JillianLauren.com. What am I on Facebook? Yeah, JillianLauren.com. I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm Jillian Lauren on Facebook. I think too. you are too. Yeah. Well, friend, it was so good to talk to you. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at, at Selfie Podcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at SelfiePodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.